we're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Welcome to the BCP podcast. Hope you had a great weekend. We are starting off with some great news. That's where I'm wearing a more festive shirt for those of you watching. Uh, not something I would pick out, but my mother-in-law got this for me. Let's start off with some great news. We know that they have been trying to consistently stop Donald John Trump from becoming the 47th president after the election was stolen of 2020, putting in fake President Joe Biden. We know that one of the ways they've been trying to do this is they've been trying to keep President Trump off of the ballot. We've got this. Supreme Court declines to consider a long shot bid to disqualify Trump from running for president. I love how CNN Politics is now calling it today, Monday, October 2nd, a long shot bid. When their coverage has repeatedly given credence and given legitimacy to the misinterpretation of Section 3, Article 14 in the attempt to keep Donald John Trump off of the ballot. The Supreme Court said Monday that it will not take up a long shot challenge to Donald Trump's eligibility to run for president because of the alleged role in the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. And CNN, CNN politics even calling it alleged role. Who is this Devon Cole? Actually, sounded like a somewhat of a real journalist here for a second. The case was brought by John Anthony Castro, a little known candidate for the Republican presidential nomination who sued Trump earlier this year in an effort to disqualify him from running for president and holding the office given his alleged provision of aid or comfort to the convicted criminals and insurrectionists that violently attacked our United States Capitol on January 6, 2021. End quote. The case was denied without any comment or recorded vote. Castro's case came against Trump and it leans on a post-Civil War provision of the 14th Amendment that says any American official who takes an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution is disqualified from holding future office if they engage in insurrection rebellion or have given aid or comfort to insurrectionists. Oh, kind of like, I don't know, Joe Biden and the Democrats? You know, they're actually not upholding the Constitution, giving aid or, or, or comfort to BLM, Antifa, and other insurrectionists. Now, actually, they're not insurrectionists. I'm not going to say that Antifa and BLM are insurrectionists. They are violent protesters. But they are worse than the actual protesters of January 6th, though. If you go by their definition, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and others should also be disqualified. This case is separate from other 14th Amendment challenges against Trump in Minnesota and Colorado, which are scheduled for trials later this year. The Constitution doesn't spell out how to enforce this ban and has been applied only twice since the, early, the late 1800s when it was... A, used extensively against former Confederates. Wow. Actual reporting from CNN that almost sounds like uh, journalism. Actual journalism. So that's the good news that we have uh, to start off with. And why don't we continue with the good news? I kind of gave you an update to this not too long ago, but now we've got it official. 
Thanks to the generosity of American patriots, including many Gateway Pundit readers. I'm reading this from Gateway Pundit and also many of you in this community. Enrique Tarrio was able to raise $100,000 toward his legal fund. Patrick Byrne, founder of Overstock.com, kept a promise to match our donations and promptly deposited a $100,000 match to Tarrio's Give Sand Go. And in classy fashion, he just put anonymous donor. It happened uh, a few days ago. Uh, I put a black conservative patriot under mine. I didn't put any message. I just did say it was from BCP, a.k.a. James. An emotional Tario sent this message from his tiny jail cell after hearing the news from his mom that he had reached 200,000. Quote, those that know me know how much I hate asking, but from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you, thank every single person that has donated, including Patrick Byrne. It has been immense help for my appeal, which is also the appeal for all Americans that believe in our rights. Together, we will defeat the unjust. I will forever be in debt and looking forward to returning home, joining all of you and showing how much you are appreciated. I want to give a special thanks to Kara Castronova and the Gateway Pundit and its readers for being the seekers of truth. And also, I want to thank you, by extension, because we echoed the call on this program. And that's the truth. Here I am. Am I here? You know it. It, you know. As I was looking at the monitor (laughs) of me doing this, this image came uh, to mind. This is Samuel O. Jackson way back in 1989 in the movie Do the Right Thing playing the local disc jockey. He's got a very, very uh, vibrant shirt as he talks into the mic. So he thanked uh, Cara Castronova in, in this thank you. And I think that's uh, I think that is a, a great, um, that is a great move because it is, it has been, she's been one of the people that has been really out there. Uh, she's got a show on Newsmax uh, on Saturday nights at 10 o'clock. Uh, she has been featured many times on different podcasts and what have you. And she's a contributor uh, to the Gateway Pundit, Tara Castronova, and she's also the co-founder of CAP, Citizens Against Political Persecution, and she's been really out there for the J6ers. Uh, and she's uh, she's a badass. Uh, she is an uh, investigative journalist, activist, a two-time boxing champion, celebrity fitness trainer, and a television personality. And um, she says that she can do all things through Christ, who strengthens her, of course. Uh, Filipenses, cuatro, trece. Uh, so great, uh, great, great work being done there. So happy for the Tario family. All right, let's get into this idea that they are still trying to stop President Trump from winning in 2024. They're going to rig. They're going to do everything possible. All the stops are out. All the stops are out. And the latest, of course, is this ridiculous, not even trial. It was just a summary judgment by this Marxist judge in New York and and today President Trump had to show up for this ridiculous show and we can see that this whole thing is a charade. The former president arrived at his one-time home of Trump Tower last night, a building that could soon be taken away from him pending the decision of Judge Arthur and Gorin. A non-jury trial last week found the judge in that non-jury trial found Trump and his two oldest sons 
and his company liable of fraud in a case brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. Today, the punishment phase of the trial will begin, where the former president could be fined $250 million and forced to give up all of his New York State properties. Although he is on the witness list for both the defense and the prosecution, it is unclear if Trump will testify at the trial. 60 Center Street in New York. Former President Donald Trump arrives to New York City courtroom, this time for a civil fraud trial. New York is suing Trump for $250 million, claiming he and his organization conspired to overvalue his properties on financial statements. A judge will preside over the juryless bench trial. There could be more than 50 witnesses, which could include Trump and his children, Ivanka and Donald Jr. The trial could last through December. This is a continuation of the single greatest witch hunt of all time. We have a rogue judge who rules that properties are worth a tiny fraction, one one hundred, a tiny fraction of what they actually are. We have a racist attorney general who's a horror show who ran on the basis that she was going to get Trump before she even knew anything about me. She used this to run for governor. She failed in her attempt to run for governor. She had virtually no polling. She came back and she said, well, now I'll go back to get Trump again. And this is what we have. It's a scam. It's a sham. And that was ever shown to us in no uncertain terms when I believe it was CNN was allowed to go into the courtroom right before it started and film the people in there. They got Trump and his team they got Letitia James scowling at President Trump and they got Judge Engren taking off his glasses and smiling, totally unbecoming of an impartial judge. Because, of course, when it comes to Letitia James and Judge Engren, as President Trump has noted, they are anything but impartial uh, agents of justice for America. They are part of the injustice of America and they are being directed by Merrick Garland at the Department of Injustice. It's a disgrace. So what we have here is an attempt to hurt me in an election. It's an attempt to hurt me in an election. This never happened before, where President of the United States leaves office and gets indicted. And the reason I got indicted was that I ran. If I didn't run, I'd be sitting right now at a beach like Biden does every time, even though he's supposed to be working. So very simply put, it's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. We have a corrupt attorney general in the state. You see how she does. This trial was railroaded and fast-tracked. This trial could have been brought years ago, but they waited till I was right in the middle of my campaign. The same with other trials and indictments. It's all run by DOJ, which is corrupt in Washington. Everything goes through them. They're all corrupt people. Frankly, our country is corrupt. And that's one of the reasons I'm running. We're going to straighten it out. And I have to go through this for political reasons. This judge is a politician. He comes out of the clubs. I wonder what clubs President Trump is referring to. Skull and Bones? The pedophile clubs, the controlled clubs. President Trump has a lot to say about these 
very wicked, vile, evil, demonic, satanic, corrupt, anti-constitutional political hacks. These activists working against him. Oh, he wasn't done. Not by a long shot. He's running unopposed. The reason he's unopposed is because he's getting Trump. They always run opposed. He's getting Trump. The bosses say, don't run against this guy. He's doing great. He's getting Trump. But he overplayed his hand and he should be investigated for what he's done. And now I have to go before a rogue judge as a continuation of Russia, 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 as a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. And I don't think the people of this country are going to stand for it. If I weren't leading in all the polls, or if I weren't running, I wouldn't have any of these cases. I wouldn't be seeing you this morning. But I'll be seeing a lot of you because this is a horrible thing that's happening to our country and we've got to get it straightened away. So we'll go in and see our rogue judge and we'll listen to this man. And uh, I think most people get it. People are getting it. I can tell you the voters getting it because every time they give me a fake indictment, I go up in the polls and that's never happened before. But this is a disgrace. And you ought to go after this attorney general. Horrible, horrible attorney generals and judges like we have. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Now, it's still fairly early Monday when I'm recording this BCP podcast episode. So what else transpired there and what came of that and what have you, we will report on tomorrow in the next episode. Now, let's go back to Sunday and let's go back to some positive news. President Trump commented on what was going on with Jamal Bowman, the New York City congressman who tried to delay the vote on the floor on Sunday in the House. And he pulled the alarm and then said, oh, it was an accident. I meant to open the door. And there has been a lot of pushback on that, rightfully so, because we have J6ers that are languishing in jail right now over a supposed insurrection and trying to impede an official proceeding of Congress, something that Congressman Jamal Bowman did. He actually tried to stop it by pulling the fire alarm. And President Trump had something to say about that. And that segued into something very great that he said that I'm sure everyone who was on this show and celebrated the Enrique Tarrio story that I covered a few moments ago will find absolutely heartwarming, even if it's a brief thing that President Trump let slip out. And just before the House was scheduled to vote on that funding bill, New York Congressman Jamal Bowman pulled a fire alarm inside the Cannon House office building. This photo has just been released by U.S. Capitol Police. Congressman Bowman told reporters he was trying to get through a door and thought the alarm would open that door. His spokesperson says it was an accident and that the congressman regrets any confusion. Some Republicans in the House want Bowman censured for his actions. Capitol Police say they are investigating. Before I show you what President Trump said, how about a great breakdown by Marjorie Taylor Greene of what really happened with Bowman supposedly accidentally pulling the fire alarm? Hi, everyone. We're at the infamous door where Jamal Bowman claims he had to pull a fire alarm to get out. Now, these doors are open on weekdays. Every member of Congress knows that. Everybody that works here knows that. But on Saturdays and Sundays, they are locked and only certain doors are open on Saturdays and Sundays. 
Now come on over here. This right here is a fire alarm. Nowhere does it say pull the fire alarm to open the exit door. Doesn't say that and I think ex-middle school principals know better. So let's explain very clearly again. Jamal Bowman didn't pull the fire alarm to try to get out of the building because he had to rush to go vote. I know that for a fact because I also work in the Cannon office building and I watch Catherine Clark, the Democrat whip, make a motion to adjourn and then within minutes, Jamal Bowman pulled a fire alarm and he knew he was pulling a fire alarm because he's a former middle school principal. And then he ran out of the building and didn't tell anybody he did that and this building was evacuated for over an hour and Congress had to hold the vote open. That's usually only 15 minutes on the first vote. They held it open for over an hour as well. There's some serious problems for Jamal Bowman and he needs to be prosecuted for violating the same federal law that they are prosecuting January 6th defendants and President Trump. What about Jamal Bowman? You want to comment on Congressman Jamal Bowman that pulled the fire alarm in the Cannon Building and disrupted the uh, So I think what Bowman, I don't know Bowman at all, but Jamal Bowman, a congressman from New York, did something that was as bad or worse. You look at what's happening to the J6ers and they're putting them in jail for years and years and this guy pulled an alarm system and to show you how corrupt they are, he then said when he got caught, he didn't know he was on tape. I mean, I don't know how you can be in the Capitol and not know it, especially after what happened. And he said, oh, he was trying to get into a door. He thought he was opening a door. It was a door two feet away. He thought he was opening a door. It's a red box that says fire alarm on it. He thought he was opening. This is the crap. And then they let him out because he's a Democrat, radical left lunatic. And he should be prosecuted the same exact way as the J6 people were prosecuted. And they've been treated, many of them have been treated more unfairly than anybody in the history of our country. And I don't know if I should be saying that because I don't know what these people behind me say, but I'll bet they agree with me. There's never been anybody treated so unfairly just about what they've done to the J6ers is terrible. And Bowman went and he pulled an alarm and you could add riots, you could add everything else, and he did it during a vote. And he should be treated the same exact way. And we'll see what happens, because a lot of people are saying, what are you going to do about J6? I don't think they're going to be disappointed. I can tell you that. What President Trump said at the very end of that statement makes my heart swell with warmth and happiness. President Trump saying uh, he's going to do something about the January Sixers, and it's not going to be a disappointment to us. We're going to be happy with what he does. As reported here previously, it is rumored that uh, and President Trump has alluded to him, this himself uh, in the past. Day one, he's going to pardon many of these. Maybe not the violent ones, but the ones that didn't do anything. The ones that were simply protesting. Now, I've never seen this clip, but I'm now seeing it circulate uh, on Getter and uh, other places over the last few days. The media would never show you this January 6th footage. And this is Jacob Chansley, the Q, uh, what they call him, the QAnon uh, shaman, talking to a person that, when you, you'll see that, listen to this, that is not on our side. And he clearly says that he got outside the Capitol because police accompanied him out, that this was a protest. 
and that everyone's leaving because President Trump told them to leave? That doesn't sound like an insurrection to me. There's some harsh language here from Jacob Chansley. I'm not going to edit it. It is R-rated with some four-letter words. But I think it's important that you hear and see Jacob Chansley, what he was saying, and how he was answering this person's question about why he exited the Capitol and why the Capitol protest ended on January 6th. More evidence that they're not showing you that this was not an insurrection. How did they, how did you get out? How did you get what? How did you get out? In the Senate? Yeah. The cops walked out with me. You just, they just let you go? Yeah. <laughs> What's your message to everybody now? Like, what are you yelling at? Oh, uh, Donald Trump asked everybody to go home. He just said, he just put out a tweet. It's a minute long. He asked everybody to go home. Why do you think so? Because, dude, we won the my fucking dad, day. My dad we fucking this, won. How do we yeah. win? Well, we won by sending thing. a message to the senators and the congressmen. Yeah, we so, won yeah. by sending a message to Pence, okay, that if they don't do as they are, as they, it is uh, their oath to do, if they don't uphold the Constitution, then we will remove them from office one way or another. Okay. Jacob Chansley clearly stating the people were there protesting, letting them know that they want their elected officials to do what they have been elected to do. That is why we don't have the our democracy that the left and the rhinos always talk about. We have a constitutional republic. We have a representative form of democracy. And when those representatives don't do what we're supposed to do, we protest to let them know that they're not doing the job that they have been elected by we the people to do. And that's what Jacob Chansey is saying. He went there, they protested, they let Mike Pence and the official and those there know what they wanted, and they'll remove them one or the other. The the removal is through the election process. And when President Trump tweeted out, go home, they went home. An insurrectionist doesn't tweet out for people to go home, and he sure as hell doesn't tell them beforehand to peacefully protest if it's an insurrection. And Jacob Chansley clearly saying, well, we won. Like, our our protest, our voice was heard. That was the whole point. If he was an insurrectionist and this whole thing was an insurrection, the we won would not have been that their protest was heard, but that they overtook the government and stopped the proceeding and uh, and President Trump came in because he wouldn't give up power. Now, this has been circulating since right before the weekend, and I didn't do a weekend show, so some of you may have seen this, but put in the comment section down below, with except for maybe the last five or six days, let's say say the last week, week and a half, prior to that, had you seen this? I hadn't seen it. So if you've seen it before, you beat me to it. And it's a reminder to you of what really happened. And if you haven't seen it, there we go. How much other very vital J6-related footage and J6 footage have we not seen? Have they been hiding from us? This, this guy is recording you. He's not on our side. Yeah, he's fine. I, I, yeah. I thought you assumed that. So. I, I'm fine with being okay, recorded. Cool. Hey, Jacob Chansley is fine with being recorded. He didn't do anything wrong. Didn't do anything wrong. And yeah, once again, it wasn't a violent insurrection. Let me show you the, the last part of this clip. I do, have, wait, I do have one more question. There's a lot of people that doubt that you were just able to just go in there and come out. Like, what do you have to say to them that doubt that you just walked out? Well, a lot of people doubted uh, a lot of prophets, saints, and sages. A lot of people doubted Christ, you know? So all I can say to those people is uh, doubters, haters can hate. I don't give a shit. Okay, so you, you just walked out, right? I just fucking walked out. Okay, yeah. appreciate it. Jacob Chansley just expletive walked in and walked out. It was that simple. 
Then break in. Wasn't a armed uh, siege on the Capitol. Luckily, Jacob Chauncey is out once again, thanks to Tucker Carlson. Um, but others are still uh, in in jail. All right, now we've got this very interesting thing. Uh, Michael Lewis, the author of The Big Short, was on 60 Minutes last night, Sunday, to discuss, discuss his upcoming book. And this is where things got really, really interesting. He talked about what was going on with Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell ahead of the 2022 elections and who he spoke with to get money and where they put that money. Lewis writes in his book that Bankman Freed's philanthropic ambitions kept pace with his wealth. Never mind doctors in Africa, he set out to confront what he saw as existential threats to all of humanity. So Sam Bankman-Fried ends up with a portfolio heavily concentrated in two things. Pandemic prevention, because there really are things the government should be doing. And the other thing that made his list that was so interesting was Donald Trump. He took the view that all the big existential problems are going to require the United States government to be involved to solve them. And if the democracy is undermined, it, like we don't have our democracy anymore, all these problems are less likely to be solved. And he saw Trump trying to undermine the democracy, and he thought Trump is belongs on the list of existential risks. So according to the author who met with and talked with and interviewed Sam Bankman-Fried, President Trump is an existential threat to democracy So because we need government to solve all the problems. And even though President Trump was a government person, and by the way, did Operation Warp Speed that got us the vaccine that supposedly people like Sam Bankman-Fried and the left wanted to combat the pandemic, he was still an existential threat. So this is where it gets interesting. Who did he partner with in his attempt to stop Donald John Trump? Why is the to that end, Lewis writes that in 2022, Bankman-Fried met with the most unlikely of allies, Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Yeah, that's only unlikely if you're not paying attention or you're a rhino or you are really blind and have been paying attention. Of course, if you're listening to this program or watching this video version of this program, you know that that's par for course. That's how it's been. That's how the Uniparty works. Fooling people, thinking that there is a false dichotomy, but they're all part of the same club. Sam Bankman-Fried is part of that club. He knew exactly who to meet with to take on this existential threat known as Donald J. Trump. You're flying with Sam and he tells you about a meeting he's going to have with Mitch McConnell. According to Lewis, Bankman-Fried wanted to help McConnell fund Republican candidates at odds with Donald Trump. What is the subtext of this dinner is Sam is going to write tens of millions of dollars of checks to a super PAC that Mitch McConnell is then going to use to get elected people who are not hostile to democracy. Wait, so Mitch McConnell has a list of Republican candidates who are sort of on the playing field for democracy versus what he deemed outside. He and his people had done the work to distinguish between actual deep Trumpers and people who were just seeming to, to approve of Donald Trump but were actually willing to govern. Bankman-Fried ended up giving multi-millions in support of Republican candidates. 
Back in 2020, Bankman-Fried had ranked among Joe Biden's biggest donors. Whether it's George Soros or Alex Soros or the Open uh, Society, or if it is Sam Bankman-Fried, you notice how they always put their money on both sides. Same thing with Google and all the big tech companies. They put it on both sides because it's a uniparty swamp. They are all part of the same club and... As George Carlin uh, famously said, we're not in it, but they all know who the respective members are. This is probably the club that President Trump was referring to before when when I showed you earlier talking about uh, Judge Angeron over there in New York. They're all working together against we, the people, and our chosen representative. As 2024 approached, he planned on spending more albeit in the most unconventional way. One of the most shocking passages in this book, I thought, came with this revelation that Sam had looked into paying Donald Trump not to run. That only shocks you if you don't know Sam. (laughs) Sam's thinking we could pay Donald Trump not to run for president. Of course he did, because these bastards think that everyone has a price, because they have a price. They have no principles. He thought, well... You know, Sam Bankman-Fried's an idiot. He's he's just like President, uh, the fake President Biden, in that he's put in a position as, with a title, but he's not really the guy behind him. Really think Sam Bankman-Fried ran this scam this long? The guy's an absolute idiot. I didn't play you this part of the interview because it wasn't as, it, it, it deviated from the point where the author talks about what a bumbling idiot. They didn't say that, but he portrays that with his experience that he had with Sam Bankman-Fried even preparing for this meeting with Mitch McConnell. Sam Bankman-Fried's not really in charge. He's just a face like Biden is a face. And they all think that everyone can be bought because they are bought and sold and they're used to working with people that can be bought and sold. So he goes on his path to try to pay off President Trump. He actually gets a number, but let me play you the end of this interview. Then we'll break down what this probably all means. Like, how much would it take? Did he get an answer? So he did get an answer. He was floated. There was a number that was kicking around, and the number that was kicking around when I was talking to Sam about this was $5 billion. Sam was not sure that number came directly from Trump. Wait, wait. So, so Sam's looking into paying Trump not to run, and he actually get, didn't might not have come from Trump himself, but he actually got a price? He got one answer, yes. The question Sam had was not just is $5 billion enough to pay Trump not to run, But was it legal? Yeah, a crook who's been busted for FTX was worried about legality of paying off Trump when he's running one of the biggest scams, supposedly, in financial history. Give me a break. What probably happened here was that if they did ever talk to anyone in the Trump sphere, it was probably like Trump saying, the being president cost me $5 billion. So if I wasn't president probably be $5 billion richer because of all the money he would have made continuing as Trump, private citizen. This whole thing is wonky and wacky and uh, looks like Sam Bankman-Fried's money poisoned 2022, but that's where the damage ends, at least with his funds going into the next election cycle. Well, why didn't this happen? Why didn't you follow through? Well, they were still having these conversations when FTX blew up. So why didn't it happen? He didn't have $5 billion anymore. Approached for comment by 60 Minutes, neither former President Trump nor Senator McConnell responded. 
So once again, you heard there from Michael Lewis, author of the new book, Going Infinite, about Sam Bankman-Fried in his 60 Minutes interview yesterday that he put his money into 2022 with Mitch McConnell so it could be used against anti-Trump conservatives. And that's still going on right now. Maybe not with Sam Bankman-Fried, but it's going on very strongly. Who is the most pro-Trump person right now in Congress? That would arguably be Matt Gates. Some might say Marjorie Taylor Greene, but Matt Gates seems to be the most MAGA of all of them. Actually, I think Matt Gates is more MAGA than President Trump when it comes to the snake politician Kevin McCarthy. President Trump's just playing politics there, not wanting to take sides and just letting McCarthy do his thing. He can deal with McCarthy once he gets in. He may need McCarthy's help, so why is he going to alienate him now? Totally understand President Trump playing 4D chess there. But Matt Gates wants him out. And so, of course, he being pro-Trump, pro-MAGA, pro-America first, anti-Swamp, they want him out. So this is the latest coming out of Fox News. They're doing everything they can to get him out. House GOP members seek to expel Gates amid renewed threat to vacate House Speaker McCarthy. Gates says he's moving to call for a vote of no confidence in McCarthy this week. House GOP members are preparing a motion to expel Representative Matt Gates amid his renewed threat to pursue a motion to vacate House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The House Republican will seek to expel Gates if the Ethics Committee report comes back with findings of guilt, Fox News has learned. One member told Fox News the report is mostly written but does not know what it contains. Yet following threats to vacate McCarthy, the members said of Gates, no one can stand him at this point. A smart guy without morals. Wow. Wow. If I were not in front of a microphone and in the studio and I am a Christian man who works hard to make sure that this show, show stays PG and PG-13 rated, maybe R because we just heard Jacob Chansley and what he had to say. I didn't want to edit him. But if I were reading this or perhaps I admit when I did read this prior to being on camera, perhaps some non-BCP family-friendly words came out of my mouth when I read that supposed quote from a member of the Ethics Committee, a smart guy without morals. Luckily, it takes two-thirds votes to expel and Republicans are treading on thin ice with their majority. So... Who knows what's this going uh, to happen? Uh, there are updates to this, um, but since this, I'm recording this early on Monday, the editor and the sound mixers will get to all of this probably in the afternoon, and this will go up late Monday afternoon or Monday evening. I don't want to give you old news regarding Matt Gates and him vacating. Um, I saw a clip earlier today that said that, uh, how come you haven't done it yet? He's like, well, it's like noon and people are still flying into the house. So I will probably have an update on this for you tomorrow. But just be aware that the swamp is alive and well. Thanks for being here on the BCP podcast. I'll be back tomorrow with yet another report. We really appreciate your support on this program. Those of you who are subscribers and uh, are uh, giving us tips on locals and what have you, we thank you very much. You keep this program 
alive and going because we make no money on Rumble. And of course, we're no longer on YouTube. Much appreciated. Gracias. Thank you. Merci. Obrigado. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.